2: listening to the Vox Media podcast network.
3: All right, everybody, it's Tuesday, May 10th, 2022, and It is indeed a heck of a morning, live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces, and soon to be thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a fantastic Tuesday. There is just so much freaking going on right now. But uh, I am in Florida right now. I am in the Villages, which is basically in the middle of Tampa and Orlando, uh, down here for a little family thing. Not a great reason to be here if we're being honest, but uh you know, I was actually pondering whether or not to even do this show today, but um, because of what is going on. but I decided that I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna try to get my mind off of everything and we're just gonna we're gonna try to power through and we're gonna talk to MMA because golly, this is a newsworthy Tuesday, that's for sure. We're coming off of UFC 274. Lots happened on that card. The main card was an emotional roller coaster. Started off strong. Then it was kind of bad. Then it was really good, depending on who you ask. Then it was pretty bad. And then it ended really strongly. And it ended with Charles Oliveira submitting Justin Gaethje in the first round. It was a crazy fight for as long as it lasted. Olivera hurt Gaethje with the first punch he threw. Gaethje, as he typically does, battles through it all, drops Olivera not once but twice. Olivera, the quote-unquote quitter that people just keep calling this man, battles through it all, made Gaethje fight a firefight, something that Gaethje's been trying to avoid through most of his career. Normally, he's a lot more patient and laid back, controlled chaos like he used, he, he likes to call it himself. Oliveira took him out of that mindset altogether, made him brawl and made him pay, dropped him, pounced on him, almost got an arm bar, transitioned, rear naked choke, Gaethje taps, goes to sleep. Charles Oliveira wins. Now, normally we would be saying that Charles Oliveira would be retaining his title, but unless you were hiding under a rock for the last five days, you know that Charles Oliveira missed weight by 0.5 pounds. By the way, I'll reiterate, I could care less that he missed weight by 0.5 pounds. I think the whole thing is stupid. He should be the champion still. I understand rules are rules and all that, but come on. This is just dumb. It's not like he weighted at 158. It's not like he weighted at 160. One, He didn't weigh in 156. He didn't weigh in 156 and a half. There are other fighters on that card who fought in lightweight fights who weighed in at 155 and a half or 156 and they were good to go no penalty Charles Oliver misses by a half a pound and he loses the title it's just so stupid it's just so dumb but in the end Oliver gets his 11th straight win the guy is 1000% the best lightweight in the world and now he's the number 1 contender for the title he lost seconds into fighting Justin Gagey fight begins he's no longer the champion And the fact that Charles Oliveira went through all of that, went through all that adversity, went through everything he had to think about, then fight a guy like Justin Gaethje with all that going on, then finishing Justin Gaethje, just, I mean, unbelievable. It's just really unbelievable stuff. But the whole thing's dumb. The whole thing is dumb. He should be the champion right now. And hopefully the UFC does right by Charles Oliveira because I think deep down, they think this is stupid too. Although they should have just tripled down on this being stupid and just put the belt around his waist. Cause this is not a Phoenix commission championship belt. This is the ultimate fighting championship championship belt. It's the UFC title. They could do whatever they want. They can give the title to Habib right now if they wanted to. And there's nothing anybody could do about it. And Habib's not even fighting. They could just give him the title. It's their belt. This is so stupid. So let's just give Charles Oliveira the title. And when he fights next, whoever that may be, for the vacant title, he better get pay-per-view points. He better get all the perks that come with fighting for the championship. He better get champions money, all that stuff. Because if he doesn't, it's like 10 times more stupid than it is right now. And it's really stupid. This whole thing is just really dumb. But now the question remains, who does he fight? Who does he fight for this title? And what's interesting about this is that there's so many ways you can go about this. You could go with who should it be? Who will it be? Because those could be two completely different answers. There's a lot of people who feel like if we're going on meritocracy, if we're going on next man up, in a lot of people's minds, it should be Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. And then there's the question of who will it be? That's a completely different thing because a lot of people feel that Conor McGregor somehow on the schneid that he's on is going to slide his way into a title fight when he returns from injury against Charles Oliveira. Now, I will say this. If Charles Oliveira is treated correctly by the UFC and is given pay-per-view points and is given championship money, And he gets the Connor fight like that's great for him. So part of me, because of all this that he's going through right now, because of how stupid this is, feel that that would be a good thing for Charles Oliveira. This kind of washes away this stupidity in a lot of ways. But I don't know. There's a lot of ways you can go with this. Chandler, Michael Chandler, who had the knockout of the year. I have a hard time believing anyone's going to top that knockout against Tony Ferguson. He could have earned his way back. There's a lot of options for Michael Chandler. There's Benil Dariush, who there are people who feel like his resume, at least right now, the strength of schedule, the guys he's beaten that were had numbers next to their names that were very low, maybe he deserves the shot. Maybe they give Dustin Poirier another shot. I mean, there's so many ways you can go about this. My idea, and this is, I don't think this is going to happen, but I just think it would be really cool. If Volkanovsky beats Holloway, on july 2nd let's have some fun the title's vacant so why not just have some fun with it let's do Oliveira versus volkanovsky you could do that and then you could do makachev versus dariush in october the winner of that gets the first crack of the undisputed title listen i think makachev is great and there's a very good chance he could beat charles Oliveira. but this is a very good chance he couldn't he might not be charles Oliveira. And I just need to see, I just think it would be a bigger fight if all if Makachev got one more win. If Makachev got that, that one top five win. I know he, like a lot of people feel he deserves it. If they book it, I'm not going to be upset about it. But I would just like to see him fight Darius. I, his best win is Dan Hooker. And there's nothing wrong with Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's a, a fine fighter. But that's, the, that's his best win. That is his best win, is Dan Hooker. I just think he des- I just think he needs to give me one more. I think he needs one more. Dan Hooker and Bobby Green are two tough guys. but I feel like Dariusha's last like five or six fights. I think his strength of schedule is more. I think it's higher. So we'll see. I mean, there's lots going on. plus, as we just uh, as I officially confirmed at like 6:15 this morning, uh, our man Ariel Hawani. Reported by the way, if you listen to on to the next one on Sunday, I told you this is probably going to happen. Brandon Moreno versus Kai Car France agreed upon for an interim flyweight title, July thirtieth at UFC two seventy seven. Now there, are, as far as location goes, there are multiple options here: Chicago, Boston, and right now, as of now, Dallas is the slight lean front runner. But that is far from done, from what I understand. But Dallas would make sense to, to have a Brandon Moreno fight on it. Texas, Arizona, California. That's where Brandon Moreno should be fighting. He's not going to be fighting in Mexico. But it's a rematch from their fight from UFC 245. I thought Moreno won that fight pretty handily. It was a fun fight, but I thought Moreno won it pretty handily. So interesting move to go the interim title route. As I told you On to the next one, not surprising at all. Figurado out out probably until the end of the year with injuries to both of his hands. So, yeah, like I said, these title fights are filling up. We need to fill holes for these pay-per-views. It would not shock me to see multiple interim titles on the line. We know we're going to get the heavyweight one at some point. It (laughs) It would not shock me, and I've been clamoring for this, for an interim welterweight title fight. Because we don't know what, like, we don't know what's going on with Kamaru Usman. He showed up at the he was a guest fighter at UFC 274. And he said his hand's still healing up. He's not done yet. Like his hand's not ready to go yet. He can't even sign a contract to book a fight yet. So again, tooting the horn, just do Shamaya versus Leon Edwards interim title fight. There you go. Usman gets the winner. It's a massive fight. There you go. But anyways. A lot going on here. There's lots that happen at UFC 274. Let's get to you guys. This is why we're here. Tristan Gordette, kick us off, my man.
2: What's up, buddy?
4: Um, I want to talk about this because it's really concerning me now. Um, I watched the post-fight show on Saturday, um, and Jed Mishu had brought up, like, for example, he brought up Justin Gaethje, and he's – He's question. He's now starting to get worried about the durability of Chi now because of all the punishment he's taken over the years, and I think it's starting to catch up to him. We have we saw what happened with Tony Ferguson. Ferguson's thirty eight years old. He's ready to go back in, and I'm just like, we got we got these guys got to start taking long breaks and you know figuring out a way to not get hit anymore because it's starting to really catch up with him. Um, you know, I was as surprised as him that how you know, Gaethje was on his back foot throughout the whole fight. I mean, um, Oliveira was coming in and was putting pressure on him right away. Um, Yes, Gaethje was able to knock down Oliveira twice, but once he got hit and got clipped, he went down immediately and then, you know, Oliveira did what he did and just submitted him and, you know, proved that he's the best lightweight right now in in the division. And I'm really starting to worry about these guys' durability at this point. Um, you know, you got to be kind of like – you got to be on um, Volkanovski. Volkanovski does not get hit a lot. He gets hit some, but he does not get hit a lot. He moves his head, moves around, moves his feet going, and he doesn't get hit as much, and he's able to win these fights convincingly and beating these guys. So I just want your thoughts on that situation. Of Start – you know, we start got to stop worrying about the debil- durability of these guys. Um, you know, that's why I give you know, I heard George St. Pierre in an interview the other day. I'm just talking about, man, listen, you know, you get in this game, you get to the highest peak as you can. If you're able to win the title, great, and defend it a couple of times. But at some point, just be like, all right, I did what I can, I beat these guys, and then I get my exit and get out. Um, I, you know, I give credit, I give credit to Habib a lot. Habib knew. At some point, I mean, obviously he had other things that contributed to him retiring, but I think he knew where his peak was, 33, right then and there. You know, if you could have kept going, I'm not saying he couldn't continue and keep winning and dominating, but he knew at some point, I'm at my highest peak right now. What really happens at that point is it goes down here from there, especially at the lower weight classes that Jed and Shu's been talking about. Like, especially those guys, man. You know, your chin could hold up for so long. At some point, it's not going to be able to hold up anymore. So, your thoughts on this and maybe, you know, you got to start getting a little bit concerned for these guys of, like, you got to know when it's time to just be like, I'm even saying that. And you got to even say that for Usman. I think he's got two more fights left in him. And it's like, all right, guys, it's been great. I'll see you on the other side. Because... I'm I'm getting worried. These chins are not going to hold up long. Just your thoughts on that whole situation, on the durability of these fighters at some point. All right, Mike. Thanks. All
3: right. Thank you, Tristan. Yeah, I mean, look. Justin Gaethje has one of the more interesting UFC careers, okay? Just think of the first three fights this man had in the UFC. He went hammer and tongs with Michael Johnson. Hammer and tongs with Eddie Alvarez and then hammer and tongs with Dustin Poirier. So almost 10 minutes in the Johnson fight, almost 15 minutes with Eddie Alvarez, and then over 15 minutes with Dustin Poirier. And then from there, knocks out James Vick quick, knocks out Edson Barboza quick, knocks out Cerrone quick. Doesn't take a lot of punishment in either of those fights. Tony Ferguson, this is just a one-way beating. Ferguson landed some shots on him, but it's not like like Gaethje a lot of damage in that fight it's he took some but not a lot habibi didn't take any damage in the chandler fight was a little different but again chandler chandler hit him a few times early but it's not like he took significant damage in that fight the controlled chaos that this man has been talking about since after the dustin poirier fight you've seen it he just goes in there goes leg kicks leg kick city Eventually, lands the big shot. The fight's over. there was different. Alvaro went after him. Because you don't see a lot of guys who fight Justin Gaethje just go right after him. Michael Chandler, you, he, he admitted. That was not his strategy, to go right in there and get after Justin Gaethje. He did, and then Gaethje hit him a few times. Chandler, of course, wobbled him a little bit in the first round. But then Gaethje sort of took over. Yeah, Chandler landed some down the stretch, but nothing with incredible significance because Chandler had been beat up pretty much the whole fight. Oliveira told everybody at the media day, I'm going to meet this guy in the center. We're going to, we're going to collide. And I don't think Gaethje believed him. And Oliveira went right after him, put him on his back foot, just kept landing shots, took all Gaethje's best shots. And you could kind of see the look on Gaethje's face. Like, what do I have to do to beat this guy? And the answer was, you just, you just couldn't on that night. So I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about the damage he has taken recently, but I am concerned about the damage bar, if you will, of Justin Gaethje because the damage bar was lowered pretty quickly. It kind of came back slowly over these last five or six fights, but yeah, he got beat up by Charles and got submitted. And I mean, he's 33. He'll be 34 in, in November. I think the questions need to start coming. How long does he want to do this at some point? He's got to realize that his goal his his dream of becoming UFC world champion. It's not at Tony Ferguson levels yet, but we're getting there because this division is just the wild, wild West right now. There's so many contenders and Gaethje is way back in line to get that shot. Cause he, he lost to Habib was out for almost 13 months Beats Michael Chandler and then gets put right back at a title fight. Now the division is crazier than ever. Unless the UFC decides to, I don't know, have some fun and maybe do a tournament or something, which you know they're never going to do because the UFC doesn't like to have fun with anything. I don't see him fighting for a title again. Unless it's some last minute, we need a spot to fill, something fell out a week before kind of a situation. So, yeah. Unfortunately for Gaethje, he's just in fun fight territory right now. So, you want to throw him back in there with Dustin Poirier? A little rematch there? Not going to complain about that. You want to just do fun scraps? You want to give him the Conor fight? I mean, who doesn't want to watch him fight Conor McGregor? That's fun. Just It's just fun fight time for Justin Gaethje at this point. And maybe that's what he wants. But I don't know. We haven't really heard much from him outside of just giving Oliver props. So be interesting to see where his head's at. Let's go to Steven Svitsko. Perhaps. Steven, just got on mute, buddy.
5: Hey, sorry about that. I'm just driving up from work right now. I uh, just got off the, uh, the night shift. I uh, just had a lot to think about over my on my mind uh, at night. And kind of what happens is I, on my shift, I think of, like, the most random things. And part of what I thought about last night was uh, – Just thinking about Justin Gaethje, it was actually about um, his title shot and title contention in the future. How many times have we seen a fighter get back into that title spot or into the contention um, with his name even being tossed around after losing twice? Probably not that often. I couldn't think of any, and I didn't have the time to do the research at the moment because I was doing my other job. But um, I don't know, like, what – Why do we automatically assume that it could just never happen again? Now, is it because, because like, if we're thinking about it, the caliber of the guys he lost to are incredible, world-class, arguably some of the greatest of all time, if not top ten greatest fighters of all time to ever come through. It's hard to say about Oliveira now because it's so early, but why, I feel like we automatically want to jump to the conclusion. Like, we haven't even seen who his next fight is. His next fight could be against Dustin Poirier for all we know. Like, his durability, like we said, like you just said, Mike hasn't been tested that much in the past couple months. Yeah, he got dropped, I think, once by Chandler, once by Tony, uh, and then, of course, by Charles this weekend. But, like, it's not like he was getting cut open and taking repeated head trauma for 15 minutes at a time, you know, like he's doing to some of these other guys. So why do we, um, him and, you know, other people alike, after a, you know, a loss to a real-time, all-time great, why don't we just kind of count him out right there? Thanks, man.
3: Thanks, Steven. Again, I'm not counting him out. I'm just saying that the road is way longer now. It's not going to be one win and he's back into a title fight. It's probably going to be like three wins and a lot of luck. <clears throat> the division was in a much different place in November. It just was. All Vera won a vacant title, defended against Dustin Poirier, and then just fans clamored for Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje basically sold himself into the fight, planted seeds during media day. I get title shot if I lose, if I win or we riot. And it just was a more interesting fight than Islam Makhachev at the time or Benil Dariush at the time or really anybody else at the time. It, I mean, who else could you put in there? You could've given it to Islam, but again, I think Islam is in the same position he's in now. He doesn't have that marquee win, and you can make arguments against him fighting for the title right now. It's just it's just strange because three fights ago, you could have thrown Islam into a title fight and thought he had a really good chance to win. He's getting kinda of getting the Habib treatment where we could see it coming. We know it's coming, but when is it gonna happen? Do we want to pull the trigger too quickly on this? Now, we knew with Habib that eventually he's going to fight for the belt. We knew that. Did the UFC wait too long? I don't think so. The UFC sucks at building new stars. But one thing they are very good at is pinpointing when they know a guy is going to be a star. And I don't know how much that sense that makes, but they're very bad at, like, it's it's clear, like, when you have guys like Shamayev and things like that, like, it's, it was obvious to everybody. This is the guy we're going to put the promotional backing behind this guy. And then when they see guys that, like, are getting to that that cusp, if you will, they're very good at, like, slow rolling at the at the right pace. And sometimes people get annoyed by that. They don't feel like it's going quick enough. But I feel like the UF – I feel like if – I feel like if Habib became – I feel like if they, if they pulled the trigger on Habib earlier, he wouldn't have been the star that he, that he retired as, if that makes sense. So I feel like they're going to kind of do the same thing with Makachev. That's why I really think they're going to do the, the Makachev-Dariush fight. Give him that marquee win. Then it's no doubt about it. He goes and beats Dariush. There's no doubt about it. There's no other person in line. There's no other name. But now you can just have some fun. You can just build a big fight. You could do Connor. You could do something fun. Like, now's your time to do fun. Because eventually, Makachev's going to win that title. Or at least fight for it. And if he wins, boy, oh, boy. Could be a long road at, uh, at 155. There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with having a dominant champion. Let's go to Farid. Let's see if we can get him in here. Reed, are you there? All right, we'll try that again. Let's get Dax in here. Dax, good morning, buddy. Hey, Mike. Um, what's up? So,
6: listen, I'm a huge Charles Charles Oliveira fan. I've been fan since he knocked out Flash Gordon, but I'm fine with the weight thing. <laughs> You know, it, it's a half pound. He signed the contract. I just want everybody to be held to the same level of accountability. You know, like uh, Khabib or, uh, I don't know, there's a few examples throughout MMA history. So I just like, you know, the, the, to be pretty constant. Um, also, one thing I thought was a little funny, Ferguson dropped Chandler with the same punch that uh, – that Charlie Elves did the on Chandler's step back, the left hook. So if I'm, if I'm Chandler's next opponent, I'm just spamming that as hard as I can. And, and I'm I'm really surprised he got dropped twice in a row and Gagey hit him with it too.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting point. I, I think I'm going to focus more on, on the first point. Um, listen, I understand the, the standard thing, um, sorry, I'm, I'm do, multitasking right here, so let me get to this in one second. The standard thing. Now, here's the thing about standards. If we're going to be consistent across the board, then we need to be consistent across the board. Either we do the one-pound allowance for everybody or we do the one-pound allowance for nobody. I think the whole thing is dumb, especially – and here's the other thing about the, the a whole Oliver situation. And I know Ariel talked about this yesterday, and I talked about it even before that. Dana White, into a live microphone, on the record, before that crazy card in Brooklyn, said that Ally Quinta, who did not weigh in a championship weight, and I know that the situation was a little bit different, but Ally Quinta, who fought Habib for the vacant lightweight title, who was not a championship weight, Dana White on the record, publicly said, if Ally Quinto beats Habib, he's the champion. We will deal with the aftermath after the fact. It is our title. If he wins, he's the champion. You've already set precedent for this. You've already said it. And again, if Oliveira weighed 156 and a half, we're not having this discussion. We're not. It's stripped the man of the title. Done. But this is 0.5 pounds. On a usual UFC contract, he made weight. And I agree with other people. I've been to UFC weigh-ins. We watched Habib and Abu Dhabi step on that scale, and we were joking about it. Go back and watch it. Go back and watch the UFC 254 weigh-in show that we did. We were commenting about the commission, gentlemen, not even checking the weights. The guys are stepping up on the scale, and he was just slamming it yelling out weights moving on we were we were laughing about it laughing there was no way habib was 155 there was no way we saw how concerned this man was when he stepped on the scale he just picked i mean literally it's just bad luck any other time this is las vegas there would be no issue this is abu dhabi there would definitely be no issue if this is any other place in the country, there's is no issue. Move it along, son. 155. But then he gets a guy who, this must have been like his first day doing weigh ins. I don't want to make a mistake in front of my bosses. It's just all stupid. It's just all dumb. 155 and a half. Loses the title. Loses money. Might lose pay per view points for his next fight. Might lose championship money for his next fight. It's all stupid. It's all dumb. If he missed the a lot, even if he, if he was 156, I would even I would even be okay with you saying strip the man of the title. But 155 and a half, come on. Come on. The second time around, rounded down, for the love of Christ. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. Let's go to, let's try to get Farid in here again. Let's see if we can make this one work. I don't know. The wheel's spinning. Fareed, there you are. Um, what's up, buddy? Hi, uh, what's up? Uh, <coughs> what you got?
4: My question is, uh, what do you think uh, next? Next uh, lightweight champion title, Islam and uh, anybody else? What do you think? Islam and
3: who? We'll see. Okay, so if we do, I think he's asking if I think it will be Islam. I don't think it's going to be Islam. I think it probably should be Islam, but I don't think it will be. I think they're going to. Re- I think they're going to go for Islam versus Benil in October, and I think Olivera is going to fight somebody else, whether it be Connor, whether it be Chandler, whether it be Volkanovsky. Maybe poor. I don't know. Makachev is probably the way they should go, but I don't think they will. I think they will try to build him up by giving him that marquee win and making it undisputable that he should be the guy. I could be wrong. Maybe, uh, maybe Joe Rogan changed Dana's mind, but certainly didn't seem that way. Dana seems to really want that fight between Makachev and Darius, and I still think there's a, a bit of a bad taste in Dana's mouth about the whole RDA situation, which, again, is dumb. But he put his hand up. He said, I'll fight you. And they said, okay. And he said, nah, we're not going to fight. Dana wasn't happy about that. Dana is a petty, petty man. He's going to make you pay for it. That's what he does. Let's get uh, Mr. Emanuel in here. Hello, sir. Make sure you're on mute.
7: Okay. Um... There you are all right um, my I have an issue with the Islam um, I think I am with you when you say that um, you don't think Islam should get the uh, the fight I actually think he shouldn't because first of all you he had a fight with uh, Rafael RDA and then Dan hookah came in as a replacement last-minute replacement then with Darouche, Bobby Green came in as a last-minute replacement. Both times you beat them, yes. Now you got the chance to also do something for the UFC by also going in and fighting RDA or as a last-minute replacement, somebody you had already uh, prepared for in the past. But then, for whatever reason, you decided not to do it. At this point, I still think that he should go on and fight Darouche because he hasn't beaten anybody in the top five so maybe they can make Oliveira wait till um december and then they go and finish that and then maybe the winner would go and face Oliveira because um at this point Oliveira, i don't think he should get into a fight so recently because every fight he gets knocked down there's a point it will catch up to him just like it has catch up to um what's his name gagey so the, the fact that he keeps on getting hit, getting hit, getting hit, there's a point to catch up to him. So I think that for now he also needs rest and then maybe he can wait for them till December. Um, and also I wanted to talk about um, the, the co-main event, but I think I'll leave that for next time because I have, no, no, I I have someone else that I think is the problem. And I actually think it is Misha Tate. Because, I just, let me just go on. Um, Misha Tate's attack on Aspen Ladd, Aspen Ladd's boyfriend, I think has caused a problem because now you see uh, Rose's boyfriend or husband right there, not being able to go at her but he has to try to talk nicely to her and all that it happened again when aspen lad was fighting aspen lad fought the next time the boyfriend could not go at her when she was not doing anything and that's just because misha tate called him a douche and now any other person who is going into any fight where they are the boyfriend of the lady they cannot go and do that again because then they will become the talk of the town and I think that's a problem because in there they are not boyfriends; they are coaches. And as a coach, if your fighter is not doing what they are supposed to do, you got to get at them. Where was Misha Tate when uh, somebody was at um, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, this fighter from Sweden. Um, uh, the the Smash Bros. The other guy. When he was fighting and then he wasn't going according Smile. yes, Chimae. When Chimae was not going against uh, according to the game plan, what happened? The coach went at him. Where was Michate to come and say that hey, you cannot talk to your fighter like that? That Misha Tate was not there to come and say anything. Others, it works. You do not know what happens with certain fighters. The first time it worked for Aspen Lad, nobody said anything. Second time he did the same thing, it didn't work. Now he was a douche. And now every other fighter whose who's, uh, boyfriend is the coach cannot go and shout at them because it will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, imagine if this guy had actually told Rose that, Rose, you are losing and you need to get out there and go and fight. If he had done that even in the fourth round or the third round, I think Rose would have won that fight. But he couldn't because what happens? If, the, if he does that, there's a problem. Yeah, so that's just my tip for today. Next time I'll have another.
3: Thank you, sir. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, yeah, a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the Islam thing. I just I just, I think Dane is so petty that even if he deserves it, he's just not going to give it to him. Very good chance of that. You make an interesting point about the Misha Tate thing. I actually thought you were going to say Misha was going to be a problem in terms of being a title contender, but it, then I realized that it's a different division altogether. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that take because – the whole Jim West, Aspen Ladd thing became a non-story like a day later. It was just, I mean, maybe we lasted, it lasted a couple days, but it became a non-story, and for the same reason that, that you just talked about. Aspen Ladd even said to herself, if I was a guy, we wouldn't even be talking about this. But it just was what it was. Some fighters are motivated in different ways. I've talked to Lauren Murphy about her fight with Valentina Shevchenko and her corner got absolutely annihilated for the way that they talked to Lauren in between rounds. They told her she was doing great. That's what Lauren wants. All fighters are different. Some people, here's an example. Everybody, everybody is coached in different ways. That's one thing you'll learn. There are certain people who respond to harsh criticism. There are other people who don't. I remember my first varsity baseball game. I came in like late innings, and I made an error. And the next day at practice, my coach told me I sucked. Told me you suck. You cost us the game. I was okay with that because he was right. I sucked and I cost him the game. I responded fine. I came back, made sure I didn't make those mistakes again, or at least tried my ass off to not do that. Some people don't respond to that criticism. Some people are just like, all right, it's okay. You know, get them next time you got to coach people in different ways. All people have different personalities, different traits, different ways of motivation. Some people it's anger and yelling. Other people it's just positive reinforcement. So, yeah, the whole thing with Aspen was, was kind of a blown story. I don't necessarily – I think if Rose got screamed at, I don't think it would have made any difference. Just probably would have made her a little more timid. Rose is just – Rose is an interesting person. I feel like there are many MMA 30 for 30s that would be really interesting – And I feel like Rose Namajunas would be like in the top five of that. Let's get Tim in here. We're going to take like three or four more. I got to get out of here pretty soon. Tim, what's up? Mike,
6: you hear me? Okay, a couple things. One, I've been seeing a lot of banter on Twitter and stuff like that from different sides with different biases. And I wanted your opinion on something on how Charles Oliveira's legacy kind of compares to Khabib at this point if you look at their resumes they're getting kind of like eerily similar like they're beating very similar guys like their last two wins were Dustin Poirier, Justin Gagey. Charles is finishing them a lot quicker obviously but I think by the eye test Khabib is still a lot better so I just wanted you to think like I still think that Habib is the best lightweight ever. I want to know how much more you think Charles has to do to kind of get more into that conversation. Um, and my second question is, um, is Rose versus Carla two the worst fight ever? And if not, what is?
3: Thank you, Tim. Uh, the first question, I th- Oliver, is in the, it, it, Oliver is now in the conversation. He's not there. He's, he's not, he's probably number three. You have to, I know the end of BJ Penn's career kind of tarnish things, but when BJ was on and BJ was going through that run, I mean, he was the best fighter in the world. Wasn't the best lightweight in the world. He was the best fighter in the world. I think people kind of forget because of how BJ's career sort of wrapped up, how good he actually was. So I think Oliveira is in the discussion, but just being in the conversation of those two guys is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So he's sniffing that number two spot, in my opinion. Uh, I still think he's slightly behind BJ. And here's the reason why. Dominance. Oliver is Oliver's winning. And he's winning in, in, in emphatic fashion. And the fights are crazy and they're exciting. But you have to place some em- emphasis on the domination. Habib just ran through everybody. He lost like two rounds his entire team, maybe three. I'll say three. Let's just say he lost three rounds. Three rounds. Three rounds his whole career. That's ridiculous. He just destroyed everybody he fought. BJ Patton, when when he was running through guys, just ran over everybody. He ran over everybody. And a lot of people thought that he got screwed out of the title in Abu Dhabi when he fought Frankie Edgar the first time. Now, I was happy about that result because I wasn't covering the sport at the time. And I placed a bet on Frankie Edgar that night. And I probably shouldn't have cashed it, but I did. It was the only bet I ever made at MMA was Frankie Edgar beating BJ Penn in Abu Dhabi. And it was probably a robbery. <clears throat> But that was an off night for BJ. But before that, all those other fights at 155, the title wins, the title defense, this guy was a killer. But Oliver is right there. And again, him sp- putting him at number three right now is not an indictment on him at all. It says so much about him. But right now it's Habib, BJ, and Oliver is like right behind BJ. One more title defense, he jumps BJ in my opinion. Or title defense, one more win. He wins back the title, he jumps BJ. And then Habib, he probably needs, like, needs a couple more. Olvera beats whoever he fights next. And then if he beats Islam, if he's right there. And what happens if he beats Islam? If he, Let's just say he fights, let's say Olvera fights Chandler in, like, September. Right? Let's we'll just throw that out there. Or beats whoever. Then you do Islam versus Dariush. And Islam, let's just say Islam beats Dariush. Then, like February rolls around, they do Oliver versus Islam. Let's just say Oliver stops Islam. Guess who's going to be in Islam's corner to watch it all? Habib. Could this be the fight to get him back? Could that be for one more? I don't know. I don't know. Let's get Tajik Bay in here. What's up, buddy? Oh, uh... there you go. Uh, hello.
8: Hello, Mike. Uh, hello. Can you, hear, can you hear me OK? Yes, sir. Yep. OK, great, great. Uh, yeah, great space. You know, I, I uh, definitely uh, have to take the moment out of my morning and uh, join it. Um, so a couple of thoughts, I think, in terms of uh, Charles Oliveira. Uh, first, the scale gate, right? The scale gate, I think, uh, uh, commission said that the scales at the back were not calibrated by them. And so they could not have control of that. So that's why there was a difference in the scales. And uh, uh, I think there, there is a good line of communication between the UFC and the commissions. So at the time, I think what has to happen going forward is to make sure that, you know, at least on the UFC side, that the scales are calibrated and are matched with the scales in the front. I think that has to happen uh, in order to make sure that uh, the scales are accurate on both ends, right? Because otherwise it defeats the purpose, right? Like you go in the back, you're at weight, and then you go in the front and you're not at weight, you know? So that's kind of, I think, has to be figured out and, and worked out between the UFC and the athletic commissions uh, going forward. Uh, in terms of Charles Oliveira, I think Charles brought some innovation uh, in the game in the sense that when... Uh, Justin was hitting him hard. Uh, he chose actually to go to the ground. There was one time that he got knocked down, but uh, there was another time where he just lost his balance and he could have stood stood and kind of uh, got wobbled and tried to regain his composure, but he chose to go to the ground, win a little bit of time, recover or see if Justin maybe wants to go to the ground with him, right? And that won him some time and allowed him the time to recover. So, I think uh, this kind of flew a little bit under the radar because uh, Charles did something special there defensively, and I think he deserves uh, more credit for that. Uh, in terms of the Rose nama I think I don't think Pat Berry should be just in a corner of Rose Nam And I think uh, Eric Nixik talked about that. He speaks more like a husband, more like a boyfriend and not as a coach, right? And so, Uh, he he need to let Matt Wyman do his thing, you know, and so uh, everything else can be addressed, you know, at home. So that's kind of like a couple of thoughts I have, I think, in terms of the GOAT. uh, uh, Oliveira, I think, is uh, kind of in the conversation, but obviously, you know, uh, we will continue comparing everybody to Khabib just because he never bled, barely lost any round, so I agree with you there. Overall, great space, great event. Uh, Happy to join and uh, give my input. So, uh,
3: yeah, thanks thanks buddy yeah i mean the commission thing i don't know man like the whole thing with the scale and all that stuff and the calibration like it's all so dumb because so after that whole thing happened Guillerme cruz talked to a couple of the fighters that's how this whole thing kind of started really with the hold on with the scale and and scale gate and all that craziness and you know it, it, by the way, just to clarify, the scale gate quote unquote thing had nothing to do with the actual beam scale that the fighters waited on. What the scale gate comes from is that they're saying that the the scale that the fighters use at the Fighter Hotel that they used in the back, they weren't the same as as the beam scale so here's here's something that Eddie Alvarez tweeted out, or said recently that I thought made a lot of sense. Eddie Alvarez said, F that scale. Bring your own. Bring your own scale that you trust, that you know is right. You bring your own scale. That way, if there's any tomfoolery between the UFC scale or the scale in the back or whatever, you know that your trusted scale is correct. Then there's no doubt. You're not you're not hoping that it's right. You have your own to say that it is right. But the, the commission did say, listen, we We provide this scale for the UFC, and we approve this one with the UFC. The other scales, we have nothing to do with. We don't even provide them. The UFC provides them. And that's it. Again, just like the title. It's a UFC belt. It's a UFC scale. The commission has nothing to do with it. Nothing. They take the UFC at their word that these scales are legit. Most organizations like if you cover I mean maybe Bellator does but maybe PFL does I don't know. But most organizations like you do it on your own. You go to the gym. You step on their scale. And then you head over to wherever the weigh-ins are taking place and you weigh in. That's it. So not I mean I don't know. But, again, the whole thing is dumb because the half-pound, the love of God. All right, we're going to take two more. Let's get Joe in here. Joe, what's up, buddy?
9: What's happening, Mike? Heck of a morning. Uh, yes, sir. want to touch down on the lightweight. So, I know that the talk is Islam versus Benio, but Dana said at the press conference after the fight, that he loves that fight, but he is now not ruling out letting Islam fight up to Charles. And I feel like Justin and Dustin are going to get to fight each other for a third title shot, which is ridiculous. And I think that instead, Islam, Benil, and Gillespie should be allowed to fight up to Charles, Dustin, and Justin instead of keeping Dustin and Justin, locking up one of them top spots off of losses. Lost title losses is, is what I meant to say. I know it's they both got a couple wins, but two title losses. I just wanted to get your thoughts on 155 and how the UFC could move that division around.
3: Thank you, Joe. Yeah, there be there's a lot of ways you could do it. There's a lot of ways, and here's the thing here's the thing for once, the UFC has carte blanche to have some fun. They could do fun things here. They could do a wily fight. I suggested just because I feel like the timing works out and we don't have like a true, we have a number one contender. We have a number one contender. The knock with Islam as good. As he's as He is. And as dominant as he has been, is he does not have a marquee win on his resume. He has Dan hooker and he has Bobby green And that's it. Like, he's got a lot of wins, and the Armand Sarukian win aged very well, but that that Saroukian win was on a month's notice, and it was his UFC debut, and Saroukian gave Makachev some fits in that fight. So, I mean, he just doesn't have a top five win. If we're comparing actual resumes, Benil Dariush has a better case than Islam does for the title. Just because of the wins and the strength of schedule. And by the way, this is no fault of Islam's. Because he's been booked in some big fights. And they just didn't work. But again, Habib took the long road to the title. And Habib became a much bigger star because of that. So what's the big deal if Islam waits one more? Just give him the big fight with Dariush. That's a massive fight in Abu Dhabi. You make two fighters very, very happy. Put them in a big spot. You can do five rounds, too. You're the UFC. You want to do five rounds of those two guys in, like, a featured fight spot or a co-main event in Abu Dhabi? Give them more money. Just give them more money. They fight five rounds. Winner's the number one contender. Winner of that fight faces the winner of Oliveira versus whoever. That's a, and it's a much bigger fight. It just is. What's the big deal if Islam has to fight one more time? I just don't see why it's that big of a deal. I I don't get it. One more. Just give him one more. Beat Dariush. There's your top five win. And there's no questions. The next time we do heck of a morning on October 24th or whatever it is, we're not having a conversation about this. It's Islam fighting for the title. He's earned it. There's nobody else. We can't have that discussion right now. We can't. We could make an argument that he could he he could get it, but he's not unequivocally the guy. He beats Dariush, he's unequivocally the guy. I don't care what happened. Michael Chandler could do a freaking backflip drop kick off the top of the octagon. And if Islam beats Dariush, by split decision, he's the guy. Go fight Derri. I mean, I just don't understand why this is such a huge deal if we wait one more fight for Islam. Everyone makes more money. Everyone makes more money. It's a much bigger fight. And he gets the marquee win. And there's no questions. If they book Islam now, nah, they're going to go up to the press card. What's the first question he's going to be asked? A lot of people feel like you haven't gotten that marquee win yet. I don't think he cares at the end of the day. But he goes out and beats Darius. There's no question. He's the guy. Why do we have to rush these guys in the title fights? There's no need to rush him. He's probably going to beat Dariush. And then he's the murderer coming up to fight the champion. Right now he's like he's one of five options that could fight for the title. But he beats Dariush, He's one of one. Let's just make it undis- let's make it completely unequivocally obvious. Then he's the guy. One more win. Make it five rounds. Give the man more money. Then he fights for the title. Not a huge deal if he doesn't. This is not some sort of catastrophe if somebody else gets smell. Now, Connor getting a title shot is just stupid, but I get it. It's a huge, it's a big money fight, but it's dumb. It's completely stupid. But I like my idea. I like my idea better. I like my idea better because you're only going to get one shot at this. And I feel like now's the time. If Volkanovsky beats Holloway, do Oliveira Volkanovsky. Because you might not get another chance. You might not get another chance. Because if Islam beats Oliveira, let's just say all of these things that I say happen. Oliveira wins his next title defense. Makachev beats Dariush. And then Makachev fights Oliveira and wins the title. I don't see Volkanovski rushing up to fight Makachev. But Volkanovski would fight Oliveira and that's a super interesting fight in my eyes. Right now, like right now, that's an interesting fight. So let's just do it. What's the big deal? Volkanovski loses, does nothing. Does nothing. The man tried to step up and make history, and he fell short against a guy who might be the best lightweight in the world. Might be a top three lightweight of all time. But if he wins, that's an incredible story. He's a two-division champ. you got to do it. I think I feel like you have to do it now. Of course, he's got to beat Max Holloway July 2nd. And if he does, the featherweight division is in a place where it would make sense for him to go up. The biggest fight you have right now at 145 that's on the books is Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett. I like both those guys a lot. But what's a more interesting fight? What's a bigger fight for Volkanovsky? Volkanovsky-Cater? Volkanovsky-Emmett? Or volkanovsky Oliveira? Yeah. That's the answer. Let's just have some fun. If you're going to do it, you got to do it now. you got to do it now. And if Makachev beats Dariush, the winner gets Makachev. That is a much bigger fight come the first quarter of 2023. It, it doesn't hurt Makachev to wait one more. And, of course, maybe Dariush wins. And if that's the case, we were right all along. I think there's just more questions that need to be answered. But in the meantime, when we figure that out, we can do some fun things. Maybe UFC feels like Connor's the fun fight. I don't necessarily think that, but I understand the business that fight would do. But let's just think outside the box here. All right, Christopher, last word, my man. For all those waiting, I apologize if you missed the beginning there's a lot going on, so uh, I got I to roll out after this. What's up, buddy? Just a quick one, Mike. Um,
2: as the president of the Armin Sarukian fan club, I'm surprised no one's asked you <laughs> about the Armin Sarukian gamrock fight. So, yeah, man, talk to us. How, how do you see that going? I know, obviously, it's early doors, but how do you see that fight going, and, and how excited are you for that
3: fight? Thank you, Chris. Wonderful question. Uh, I am very high on both of these guys. Uh, I have been high on Sarukian for years and years, even before he was in the UFC. Uh, and I feel like this guy will be the champion. I think he will be the champion. Uh, 2024, Armand the will be the champion of the UFC. I feel very strongly in that stance. I've been saying this for a long time. And I feel... I feel like he could uh, – never mind. I was going to say I feel like he could beat Arma, uh, that he could beat his on Makachev. I'm not going to say that just yet, but I feel like with the right development, a few more wins, full camp, he could give Makachev fits. He gave him fits the first time on short notice at his UFC debut. This guy is the real deal. Now, the Gamera fight is Ridiculous. It's a ridiculous fight. I cannot wait for it, and I hope it's the main event. Give these guys the main event. What else are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm looking around. Who else is going to headline this card? And who's going to complain if on Gamrod is the main event? I mean, you got to pay him more, five rounds. But let's have some fun here. Two guys who could fight for the title, right? Two guys who could fight for the title in the next year and a half. Let's just do five rounds. It's unfortunate that this is the fight that's being made because I feel like it's too soon. This could be a number one contender fight down the line, but so what? We're here. From what what I understand, the initial plan was to do Saruqian versus Gregor Gillespie. Didn't happen that way, and... We get Matush Gamrat instead, and an embarrassment of riches, if you will. But I love the fight. I would love to see it for five rounds. I feel like if it's going to be the main event, they better make that decision pretty quickly because we're about a, a little over a month away from that one. But, God, that's a great fight. I lean Sarukian to win. Gamrot's really good, so I could be completely wrong here, but I think Sarukian's just got more ways to win. Uh, I think his striking is getting a lot better, and I just feel like his ground game is just suffocating He's so good. He's just a very big, strong 155-er, but yeah, I love it. It's going to be a fight that nobody's stock really lowers that much, and someone's going to be in line for a massive fight at 155, and... Now's the time to get into that discussion because it's pure chaos at 155. So the timing for this fight could not be better. And, you know, after everything that happened this past week, maybe that was the fight to make. Maybe it's time to streamline one of these guys. And maybe it's Sarukyan. Who knows? Maybe it's Gamron. But one of these guys, no matter what happens, I feel like both these guys are going to be fighting for the title at some point in their, in their careers. But that's it, everybody. I got to roll. I appreciate it. For those hanging out, I apologize. We'll be back on Thursday, same time. Maybe we'll just take your calls the entire time. No early rants, no nothing. We'll just get right into this to make it up to you. But I gotta, I got to get out of here. Some family stuff going down here in Florida. I appreciate you all very much. Back here on Thursday. Have a heck of a morning and a great rest of the day, everybody.
4: Podcast Network.
1: bet based on the amount of initial losing bet bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.co slash bball for eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources